Welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. This podcast is for anyone in the Australian financial planning ecosystem with a focus on life risk insurance. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just starting out, I think you'll get heaps of value out of this podcast. I'm your host, Phil Thompson, and I'm a life risk insurance specialist, and you're listening to My Risk Advisor. Hey there, welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. Today with me, I've got Glenn James, who is the host and creative of My Millennial Money. And we talk about Finfluencers and ASIC's recent crackdown on financial influencer content creation and how advisors can maybe fill the void that will be left. It's going to be a great episode. I know you'll enjoy it, but we can't do this episode without the help of Zurich and OnePath. So I want to start by saying thank you. Zurich and OnePath are your partners in life and are proud supporters of this My Risk Advisor podcast. Welcome, Glenn James, the founder and original host of the My Risk Advisor podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Phil. It's been uh, a wild couple of years in the advice world, hasn't it? Yeah. So, for those who don't know you, who are you? What's your journey? Yeah, the long and the short of it is uh, I was a financial advisor for uh, 12, 13 years, had my own business on the central coast of New South Wales. I was predominantly a risk advisor. Uh, I did a lot of business succession, like business insurance, buy, sell, key person with small to medium businesses because I really... I really loved insurance and I really love small business. So, a lot of the work that I did was around risk. But having said that, I believe in my practice at the time that while every single client has specific advice needs, my advice process could cater for all those needs. So, I could 100% go and do a um, you know 100 grand premium for a, a business in the city uh, with some buy-sell stuff. And then the next day, uh, have a rap platform giving advice to an 82-year-old. And sure, I've been out of the game now uh, for a handful of years and it may be different, but I still fundamentally believe that you can actually have a a really good advice model if you use technology systems and processes uh, to the absolute extent and outsource a lot of your time and admin costs back onto technology. So, within all that, yes, I was an advisor, uh, you know, had a office in suburbia of, you know, Central Coast, looked after anyone. Uh, and realistically, my, you know, to be a client of mine, you had to have, you, you had to meet the two things, you know, two criterias. What are they? Breathing? The first well, yeah, legs and a heartbeat, right? No. <laughs> um, yeah, the first one was you had to value my advice and the second one was you were willing to pay for it. And yeah. realistically, and, and again, it doesn't matter if you're a small business or a pre-retiree, I could handle anything in our business if you met those two things. Um, yeah. But yeah, within that, I-, I I pretty much was a, a risk specialist and that's why I started the My Risk Advisor Facebook group because I did want to start an online community uh, talking about risk. Uh, but look, at, towards the end of my career as a financial advisor, I was on the board of the Association of Financial Advisors, AFA. A lot of you guys are members and 
yeah, did a lot of consulting work to other insurers. Uh, I just really love being part of our financial advice ecosystem in Australia. Uh, but I was, you know, I, I'd reached some goals in my own career, you know, being on the board of the AFA, built up a decent business. I did the AFA Advisory of the Year Awards, didn't win, but hey, I tried. Uh, I won an Advisory of the Year Award with my dealer group, so that was nice. So, I was at the stage where I wanted to move on and that's when I doubled down, you know, sold my business and doubled down on uh, the one-to-many approach and started- and, and what is that? What are you doing? Yeah, and started the My Millennial Money podcast. So, we're just talking to hundreds of thousands of um, people in Australia, all over Australia and the world every week, encouraging them with their money and, yeah, just to basically- I want to gift wrap the population ready to see a financial advisor. Yeah. And you went from a you went from a business where the requirements were they need to value your advice and be willing to pay for it. Yeah. Now you run a podcast where people don't pay for it and sometimes and they don't value it. <laughs> yeah, but maybe not all the time. Yeah. Um, some people don't value yeah, it. Yeah, well, I say um, all the time like my comments are worth what you paid for it. And so, you know, by and large, I'm creating infotainment. I want want to entertain people and make them laugh sometimes, make them cry with some of the guests and have them walking away feeling encouraged, feeling empowered. And I honestly like, I've actually got a fair bit of crap from some of you advisors out there who will email me and give me your unsolicited advice, which sure, I'll I'll read all the emails. You know, you shouldn't be doing this and shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, mate, the amount of leads I generate for advisors like, I really think if I can help the mass get out of debt, get onto a budget, have an emergency fund, they're the ideal candidate for a financial advisor, right? Because yeah. all that, you know, hygiene stuff, we're taking care of that on mass for Australians. That's right. And, and now- I'm no threat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, and it kind of brings me to my to the point of this discussion is to talking about finfluencers. You're the OG finfluencer, um, or one of uh, the OG finfluencers in Australia. Um, so you know, ASIC came out recently and kind of announced a few things. Um, you know, putting a few more kind of shackles on finfluencers that us advisors have been under for a long time. So help us understand what what was their announcement recently? Yeah, so basically, for some time. And we know this because I'm still, you know, involved, you know, in the My Risk Advisor group and, you know, LinkedIn and I see all the stuff, read all the trade yeah, press. you're within the advice community. Yeah, like you I- haven't just left us in your dust. You're, you're still about. Yeah. And, you know, for some time, we've wanted some clarity on, you know, can I jump online and do a podcast and talk about shares where an advisor has to provide a statement of advice? Um mm. So, we, we need a clarity. You know, Jane Hume in one minute, she's saying, yeah, oh, influencers, they're great and it's helping people. And then ASIC are saying, well, you need to be licensed, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, there has been this need for clarity. And I think what's happened is ASIC have actually gone, well, hang on, there has been a lot of people uh, starting TikTok accounts and they call that FinTok, uh, talking about money. Uh, Instagram accounts, people sharing their money story, podcasts like My Millennial Money. uh, And basically, ASIC is saying, well, as far as the Corpse Act says at the moment, you're breaking the law. 
Mm. So, you know, ASIC didn't come out and say there's new rules or new regulations. They just provided an information statement. And if you haven't seen it, I'll get Rach to put in the show notes uh, a link to it. And it's info uh, 269. And they just provided some examples to social media influencers who talk about money of what's considered financial advice, general, and what is dealing by arranging. Because the whole thing is, Phil, the question isn't, as an influencer talking about money, am I giving general advice or not? That's not the question. We know the Corpse Act says, as soon as I open my trap and give an opinion about a bank account or a super fund, I've crossed the threshold into advice. The question is, does that need a license to give advice? And some influencers and, and whatnot have hung their hat on the fact that, well, the Today Show can have a segment with someone talking about money. They don't need a license and it's under this media exemption. And basically, the reason why that exemption exists for things like the Daily Telegraph or the Fin Review or the Today Show is their purpose is not to provide financial advice. Their purpose is, we'll tell you what washing powder is best at this time and we'll do some news and then Carl will make some drunk comments after the Logies and all that stuff. <laughs> like, they're not in the business of giving advice. But when we look at a Finfluencer, by definition, they've got a following and they are influencing their followers and they're talking about money. So, and also, if you double down further, they might be getting paid by share platforms or investment platforms or ETF yeah. providers Yeah, product providers. Product providers, right? Getting paid uh, to spruik financial products. And the problem, I think, is a lot of Finfluencers, you know, we live in this world daily, right? Like, I've got a general advice license and I've had one for Mm. three years. You know, we live in this world daily. We know that you need a license to open your trap and talk about this stuff, right? But if someone's like- left university and did a marketing job and then, oh, I'm going to start an Instagram account and talk about budgeting and then it moves into shares and this product provider wants to give me money. They don't know the nuances of the Corporations Act. So, That's it, yeah. So, I mean, all that to say, I think Finfluencers, they do provide a net positive. I think if it makes people less focused on debt and, you know, spending all their money and not investing and not wanting to get invested, that's awesome. But the question is, how do we reconcile, you know, this 21st century technology with 20th century legislation? That's right. And and the Corpse Act and, and every advisor who's ever spoken to their compliance department has discussed this section of the Corpse Act where it says, if you influence someone to purchase a financial product or if that person feels like they've been influenced to maybe purchase a financial product, that is personal financial advice. And so, as advisors, that's that's the battle we've been dealing with for a long time where we can't talk to our mate at the barbecue and say, hey, you know, what are you invested in? Oh, yeah, maybe that's a good share to invest in or, or maybe you should get insurance because because I can be seen mm. by my mate to be influencing them to make it f- to purchase a financial product. So advisors have always kind of skirted around, you know, 
in a meeting. I can't tell the client exactly what I'm thinking because that can be seen as personal advice. Now, the influencer community, so financial influencers, are getting caught up in in this legislation that's always been there. Yeah. They, they've always been subject to it. And the thing is, what I would be more concerned about is the financial product companies. Like some of these startup companies, they've got a like a general advice or an AFSL license, right? And yeah. if they might not be self-licensed, but they're licensed. So, if, if I start an investment platform tomorrow, I'm going to have a financial services license or be an author rep of one, right? At some point- their licensees drop the ball and not being across this crap. Like, I actually talked to the founder of a startup investment uh, company and he said to me, oh, you know, compliance just, we just don't have the budget for it. And I'm like, well, mate, what are you doing? It's like, if you want to start a car company and you don't have a budget for an airbag department, it's a non-starter. So, but this is the whole problem, right? With this fintech startup, you've got all these tech boys and girls coming in wanting to disrupt- and they've got no idea about the Corpse Act. They've got no idea mm. about dealing by arranging. And and basically, a lot of these influencers were um, having affiliate links that would send their followers to sign up and they would get a clip of the ticket that's not, that's not disclosed to the user. Yeah. Uh, and that's really- that's no different than a, a volume bonus in our world. That's it, yeah. Any advisor who's been around for more than 10 years would call that a volume bonus, um, which yeah. were all throughout the industry. And the, I think no longer. coming from a financial advice background, you know, with my millennial money, like I'll say loud and clear, I don't work for free and I don't expect anyone else to. But if someone wants to advertise on my podcast, I'm not, you know, you pay me a flat fee, I'll advertise. I'm not doing this performance-based stuff where the more people we sign up, the more money we get. No, don't care. You pay me a flat fee, we'll advertise. Simple as that. And so, you know, I've been a part of your journey with with the My Millennial Money. You, three years ago, approached ASIC and said, hey, let's have a chat about what do I need to do? Because I've come from an advice, you know, strict advice arrangement. I understand the Corpse Act. I understand what's required of me. So, you went and got a, you know, a general advice license. So, why did you, why did you do that? You just, you're so wise and intelligent. You saw what was coming? Basically, yes, Phil. Um, <laughs> but no, what, ha- what actually happened was I started My Millennial Money when I was still licensed as a financial advisor, right? Mm. And my dealer group at the time, Apogee, they actually set me up a second license for the general advice part of the business and the podcast entity, right? Entity. Now, I then sold my business and then stopped being an auth rep and I didn't have a license anymore. And at the time, I honestly felt that because we weren't just doing My Millennial Money, my business was doing My Millennial Money my millennial property, my millennial career, my millennial health. We had a blog with a whole heap of stuff that wasn't talking about financial products. I took the view that my company was akin to the Today Show or like- A media brand. A media brand because we're just doing all this content. And I will say the word some dickhead uh, in our ecosystem who should know better uh, complained to ASIC about me uh, that I was giving unlicensed financial advice and I actually tracked him down. And I name names. No, just no, kidding. No, don't I, name I, names. I, I, I won't. <laughs> but like, 
so someone in the financial planning ecosystem complained about me and I I tracked him down because LinkedIn mutual connections and I called him up and I only did it because, you know, he should know better than to be a, a jealous dick, right? And I said to him- So, you're still good mates, clearly. <laughs> catch up all, weekly. All, all I can describe it as <laughs> was this evil spirit down the phone at me. Yeah. And he goes, well, you've- You've got your name as Glenn James Financial Advisor on this website here and you're not a financial advisor anymore. I'm like, mate, I don't control the someone else's website. Like an yeah. article I did for ANZ five years ago, you want me to call John Howard and say he needs to remove John Howard Prime Minister from a website that he doesn't control? Like, it mm. was just ridiculous. And so, he actually complained to ASIC about me. I did some like some chats with ASIC and they said to me, oh, are you a lawyer, are you? And I said, no, I can just read the Corpse Act. And mm. they, ASIC then confirmed to me that I did not need a license for the reasons that I stated, right? So, Simo yeah. Interactive, my company, you know, we do a health podcast, a business podcast, a career podcast. Like, we're not just all they, about- they, they subscribe to your philosophy of it's a media brand. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, anyway, I thought, look, this is not going away, this stuff. So, I then beca- I had my company become- a corporate authorized representative uh, to have a general advice license just for the optics of it. Even though ASIC said, you're good, Glenn, uh, because we knew this stuff wasn't going away. And so, within all that, if we fast forward just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, ASIC have clarified this and, and they basically said for influencers, when you discuss financial products and services online or promote affiliate links, Make sure you understand your legal obligations, including whether you are providing financial product advice or arranging for your followers to deal in a financial product. And this is why this whole thing, like I would be crapping myself if I was a financial product giving money to unlicensed influencers online. (laughs) Like it's just wild. If you carry on a business of providing financial services, you must hold an AFS license unless you are exempt or are authorized to provide those services as an authorized representative, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, you may be breach of the law and your content is accurate and balanced. So, you've got to make sure your content is accurate and balanced. If your online post is misleading, you may also be breaking the law. Seek legal mm-hmm. advice if you're unsure. Now, so, they they haven't actually had any new laws. They've just clarified. and That's right. And, and ASIC also came out and made a statement to company directors who are working with influencers and saying, hey, just be a bit cautious mm. working with people who are providing unlicensed advice. And that's what I kind of, for me, I had resolved that my business, you know, we were selling ads for an olive oil company <laughs> for a career podcast. Mm. I'm like- you know, on balance, we're not providing a financial service. But if you go back to a Finfluencer account and they are only talking about money and only, you know, having companies that are financial product sponsors, you know, you could you could say that they're in the business of providing financial services. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'd love to get into and I'll ask you a question about how this has impacted the Finfluencer community. Um, but but first of all, you talked about an advisor getting a bit grumpy. Um, well, that grump- he wasn't even an advisor. That was the weird thing. The, all right. <laughs> a, a market participant 
<laughs> was a bit grumpy a with consultant. you. <laughs> yeah, a consultant was grumpy with you um, because he's grumpy with everyone, but um, someone was grumpy with you. But how should how should advisors think about the Finfluencer and and just more broadly about consumers reaching out and investing more than they've ever invested. So many more young people are getting involved in dealing with their finances. So your Facebook group's got, you know, 40 odd thousand people talking about thinking about money. So how should advisors think about that? Advisors need to read the room. Like there's a need for this crap. People want to be educated with stuff. And, you know, I'll do a podcast episode and think this is really basic stuff, but we're in it every day. Like people do not know the difference between index management and active management, and they're just interested to know. So if you're an advisor and you want to really lean into this stuff, can you talk to your compliance team and see if they're comfortable with you maybe employing someone in your team just to do social media stuff because you're licensed? Mm. And this is the whole thing like, Phil, like- Imagine, like I, I look at, um, I look at, you know, the iPhone. I'm holding my iPhone here. You know, before the iPhone, we had the iPod, right? And that was a technology company that mm. disrupted um, the music industry effectively. Yeah. And you've got to think back. It's like, gosh, if only there was a company who had music and also had tech, why didn't they create the iPod? And you got to think, well, Sony, they had the Discman, the Walkman. Yeah, the Walkman. And they had all the Sony BMG, all the artists, but there was just this disconnect. If only you were a licensed advisor, if only you had a business of, you know, few handful of staff, if only you just started an Instagram account and was relevant and consistent and maybe filled that void. I don't know. Like- yeah. So, I guess, I mean, just a little bit of pushback on that. I, th- I feel like advisors have been petrified by ASIC and by the c- compliance teams to create content. Like, so, we've known this, you know, if someone watching our content feels like we have influenced them to buy a financial product, then we are liable because all the Corporations Act says is if the person who's actioned it or, or, or feels like they've they've done it, all they need it to do is be the one to feel like they've been influenced. Well, Whether we do it or not, it's in the eye of the, the consumer. Yeah, I would also push back on your pushback. And is this a Vince Scully, Phil Thompson step versus level <laughs> debate or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no, but but the, but there is a concern with advisors giving this from compliance teams and the advice community. Yeah, yeah. So number one, I don't think it's um, ASIC. I think it's your licensees. Number one, mm. um, because we all know the Corps Act doesn't say anything about an authority to proceed, and every freaking licensee under the sun wants an ATP signed. Like, give me a break. Yes. So that's number one. Number two, how is you know, lots of advisors, and I used to do it in my business. I did first homeowner nights. Come along to the local club, grab a drink. We'll talk about first. We'll talk about this topic. We invite them in. It's a free seminar. We have a general advice warning at the start. Glenn James, I'm a licensed advisor. I've just given you a general advice warning. Then we talk content to a group of people. How hmm. is that different? than having an Instagram account with 
a general advice warning in the text of every post. It doesn't have to be 15 pages long. How is that different than having a, a seminar as a licensed advisor? That's what I want to know. And I don't know if we've yeah, got the it, answer. It, it, and it's not. And and just to clarify, I totally agree with you. I think there there is a void there where, you know, uni students who are interested in money and budgeting have filled and, and grown to thousands of I mean, or hundreds of thousands of followers on, on Instagram and, and TikTok. So, that void is left by licensed financial planners who aren't willing or aren't or feel like they can't provide that content to the masses because that's, that's kind of the funny thing about this, the, the debate raging within the Finfluencer community it felt like it quickly turned against financial planners, like we're the ones controlling ASIC to make these rules to benefit us somehow. When I've I've viewed Finfluencers as a net benefit to my business because the more educated people come to me wanting insurance, the, the much easier it is for me to um, because, because they know they want it and they need it and so we can just help provide that. But this is the whole thing like as an advisor and an advice business, like- we all know we've only got finite resources, right? So, if you're an advisor and your business isn't using bloody Calendly um, type form or job form or, you know, some basic automation stuff, that time that you're wasting on crap that you can outsource for a few dollars a month, like, you can put that effort into other marketing activities, and I think it does go back to, well, what is your new business strategy? And if you're like, we get referrals from mortgage brokers, awesome. You probably don't need to have an online presence. Mm-hmm. I would push back on my own comment there and say, well, I think there's a responsibility to have a presence for your own clients and them the option to refer their own friends and family to. But I think it goes back to what's your new business strategy and mm. I'd put the challenge out there, like, what if you got a, a young professional year person and part of their job was they spend a day a week doing content and you approve it with compliance, you then send it to an outsourced designer or whatever, and you batch it up on Instagram, as long as you're consistent and you're providing good value... Like, why can't they do an um, a basic three-module online course? I mean, even- yeah. So, for example, Phil, like my book, Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested, this book- Oh, here we go. Yeah, Plug, here we ching. go. <laughs> here we go. You know, read this book because this book, thousands of people have purchased and this book here is absolutely has two reasons. For people to get on a plan- and get engaged with their money, number one. The second reason is to gift wrap them to get professional advice. Mm. So, in your business, can you buy, like email me, buy a box of my books. There's a call to action that once you do this, go and speak to your advisor, take this book to your advisor and ask them the questions in it. So, this book isn't a threat. It's not a, a shoeless investor who alienates professionals. This is, no, you get what you pay for. You can clean your own house up first. Mm. And what I was getting at, like page 70 of the book, The Sound Financial House, that concept there was the cornerstone of my whole advice practice. So, you come in, this is what we do in this order. 
if you're not interested in doing it this way, I probably can't help you because it goes back to you don't value my advice and my philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, why can't you do a limited online five-module video series about the foundations of a of, of financial house? Give that to new people for free or $5 or something. Get some buy-in. Have them do self-paced learning and baseline stuff. And then you tell them, come back and we can help you with this. Like, it's actually not hard to get new clients, but you get caught up in your own compliance and your own systems and processes that can be outsourced to technology. Yeah, so just to just to wrap up that lecture and in and distill it. Um, so thank you for that lecture. Um, appreciate it. But just to wrap that up, I think the answer to the question of how advisors should think about this is: well, there was a void that Finfluencers stepped into to provide financial content. Now ASIC have come down on them because they're not licensed, and majority of them won't become licensed. Won't, won't get a general advice license um, because of the cost involved and doesn't make sense for them. So there's going to be a void again. So how do advisors think about now? How do we step into that role and educate people? And because if you don't, I, the question, I will and I'll send all the clients to Phil. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So which, which is fine. So don't do it and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, but, but I guess the, um, do you feel like, and and a quick answer here, but do you feel like consumers would take the advice or the guidance from someone who isn't doesn't have a business to provide that? Because I feel like there can sometimes be a little bit of extra clout where influencers can say, "Well, I'm I do not have a conflict because I'm not trying to sell you anything." When advisors, you know, the perception could be, "Well, I'm providing this content." because I want you to become a client. Do you feel like the consumers have a little bit of a, a distrust from advisors providing that content? No, because I think everything's got to do with the messaging and delivery. Yeah. And, you know- And intent. And intent. Of, and, and this is the whole thing. Like, I touched on it before because I did this. So, every dickhead's got a podcast, right? You've got one. I've got one. That's it. Now- You're listening to- Your one. Um, I did this, you know, how to start a podcast course and- and it's kind of funny, like I'm more of a marketer now than anything, right? I'm probably a bad one, but whatever. It's it's the language and the intent for marketing. So, in this course that I did, How to Start a Podcast, and we'll put a link in the show note if you want to have a- <laughs> <laughs> Another plug. You've got to wow. always be selling, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, what you need to do with your marketing strategy, you've got to look at like who's the audience. And if it's random cold leads out there, you- your language might be, hey, we're financial advisors. One day we'd love you as a client, but if not, that's okay. You're welcome to look at this stuff. So, it just takes- So, you're calling it out that Hmm. you commercially are interested or you go the other way. Hey, we're financial advisors. We do this Instagram. We do this podcast for our clients. Now, the language- is we do it for our clients. Hey, if you're not a client of ours, knock yourself out. You're welcome to check this stuff out anyway. Yeah. So, I think it rather than just, hi, we're financial advisors. We can help you. And because you're yeah. like, oh, what's the, what's the strings attached? Am I getting screwed over? Where I'm of the view as a consumer, like if I walk into a, 
a seminar or something. It's like, just tell me what you're trying to sell me at the start. Like, yeah. that's all I need to know, right? You're trying to sell me a Le Creuset skillet or something like that. You've got all this kitchen stuff, but at the end of the day, you're trying to sell me a skillet. Cool. So, yeah. as an advice business, when you're going out and speaking to the world, this all comes back to messaging 101. And I might actually feel get you to- um, have a chat with Laura. Like another product? No, 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 no. So, (laughs) Laura from La La Social Club, who's helped a lot of my podcast listeners or even Jason Knight, who helped with your branding stuff. Yeah. Just have this other chat around messaging because everything is what are you after first? So, to really distill it, we get caught with the tactics, not the strategy. Yeah. And and to and to go back to the question, like how do consumers view the content from a professional? I think if it doesn't look intent. tacky and crap, they're cool with it. Yeah, it depends on the intent. Yeah, and if it scratches the itch, like I I, I think it's fine. It's just information, right? Like so yeah. I, I wanted to Google something. So I might Google or check on Instagram like how to do this. Find a website, okay. One, it doesn't look crap. So I know they're quote unquote, half legit. Two, they're not trying to shove something down the throat. Three, it's information in everyday language. Oh, cool. I'll keep reading. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I'm going through this process because we're going to start ramping up our marketing and thinking about how do we make sure we are being helpful first and and not being dishonest. Like at the end of the day, if you want insurance, come through me. Mm. If I'm providing you the free content, I want you to as a client. But- how do we make sure we're being helpful? And it's not in not every video is a you know three minute pitch at the end of the video to make sure that they're clients that day. Yeah, and and that's the whole thing. Like, I remember I went to a an event, and it's kind of good to get back out to corporate events and you know PD days and all that stuff. And I went to this event once, and there was a BDM. And it was like it started at eight thirty in the morning for Red Joe and sign up and. It was 8.15. I got there early. And I just remember this as clear as day. Walked over, got a peppermint tea. This BDM came up to me. Oh, hey. Saw your name. Dave. Oh, hi. I'm so-and-so. Um, I work with... Oh, is there any chance I could make an appointment to maybe come and see you one day next week or next month? I'm just like, whoa. Like, and I said, hey, guy, like, it. you know, the event hasn't even started yet. I was. I woke up ten minutes ago, like, <laughs> and you're I, asking me on a date. My to calm challenge the to you as an individual is: what if you only over the next two days at this event and conference, if you did not talk about trying to book someone in and just connected to people and talk about industry stuff, just be a person, hmm. because there's nothing worse than the stench of desperation, is there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's how advisors should think about filling the void um, from the finfluencer community. Yeah, that's right. Like there, there is a void, and you know, like because we do all these podcasts, right? Like I can't do enough content. Mm. Like it's just, and your content has a long tail on it. The other day, I got an email from somebody, and they're like, "Oh, Glenn, just wanted to let you know, I just saw Genevieve." Uh, we just got our first home in the mortgage. Thanks for having her on the podcast. And this is in 2022, kid you not. Mm. 
the last time she was on one of my podcasts was 2018. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it converted to a yeah. mortgage for her. Like, yeah. Talk about your content having a long tail, right? And it has a long tail, but it also has a long ramp up. So you've got to have that long time horizon. And that's what I've talking to mm. my new marketing staff and saying, like, I, we don't need to see a new client for the first 12 months. Like, that's, they, we don't have a KPI to hit new clients in the business from our efforts. Mm. We just need to put the effort in and work hard and just like, you know, we talk to clients about investing. If we talk about investing is you don't try and seek 10%, 20% returns in year one. You want to see that long-term benefit. Um, but but just touching on how it, how has this impacted the Finfluencer community, these, these new kind of guidelines from ASIC? Yeah, so it's been a lot of the Finfluencers, I think they've been rattled and... So I was in the call with 30 other Finfluencers that ASIC had. It was a private closed door meeting and a lot of them are rattled. Um, in the meeting, ASIC were like, someone asked, oh, what about all our existing information? And they're like, well, you got to take it down. Like it, just because it was put up last week it, doesn't mean it's not. If it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like the, the advice is not legal. Yeah, the, then the, laws, shouldn't be- the laws of the law type vibe. Mm. Uh, they're rattled and, and you know what, perhaps ASIC, uh, you know, perhaps jumping up and putting this out and having it propagate through the Finfluencer community, maybe that's, they've done their job. You know, there was a few on that call and I've looked at their content and they're in breach all day long, like absolute mm. categorical all day long and ASIC haven't turned around and litigated or, you know, done anything else. I know one thing following that, ASIC have reached out to a couple of people on that call and have clarified and asked for some please explains. Uh, but a lot of them are, are scared and I think it's done the job. You know, I'm not really, because I'm not really from that world. Like I'm not some cool guy or gal who lives in inner city Melbourne or Brisbane or Sydney and has a like cute TikToks and Instagram and all that. So I'm not that person. So I'm not really in there. I know that a few of them have got like some WhatsApp chats, to, chats together and I've talked with them and they're like, yeah, we're all pretty rattled and don't know what to do. Yeah. But my comment is, well, if you're running a freaking business and earning 50, 100, 200 grand a year, some some of these guys are earning three, 30 grand a month, I'm like yeah. just freaking get a license and get on with your life. But, yeah, more than most advisors out yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> for some of the bigger players, I don't have much sympathy for because they're literally printing money. Um, mm. Just get a license, cost of business, move on, get qualified. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's still watch this space. At the meeting, you know, it was probably a month ago now, ASIC said uh, we'll provide further examples. Uh, I'm yet to see that. Yeah. And and it is a slow moving beast. Like ASIC are, are slow moving, and so putting their kind of first thing here, and so I guess you know wrapping up. What do you think the ideal outcome uh, moving forward is from for both influencers, advisors, consumers? I think the advice review that's due out in December will be helpful because part of the remit of that review is general advice, personal advice, and those mm. definitions. Um, I, I'd, I'd want to wait and hopefully that review comes out uh, with some clarification or an updating. I've been saying for some time, you know, and the, the, the whole thing was ASIC said uh, a Finfluence or influencer, you could have an account in the thousands, which mm. that could be 3,000, right? 
Um, so I, yeah, I think there needs to be some type of register, uh, particularly, and this is the wild thing, right? Like, it's only applicable for those who reside in Australia. So, we've mm. got to know that. So, we, don't, we can't control the world, but we can, you know, control our patch of it. So, maybe there needs to be an Australian register. Maybe there needs to be a, some type of subclass and a level of competency for influencers or I don't know, like, a, you know, a subclass of a, a auth rep category uh, for a license. Yeah, my my hope dream is that, you know, a bit more noise in this space will actually shine the light on kind of how ridiculous some of the legislation is around personal financial advice. Like oh, and and the requirements on it is is a little bit over the top. We all we all know that the pendulum has swung too far. Um mm. you know, there are some advisors who do podcasts and their dealer groups want a verbal disclaimer that goes for about 28 minutes before the content. I'm like, yeah, yeah. see, that's that's a non-starter for me. That's ridiculous. Like, so, I think we just need some clarity. Um, and yeah, I'll just encourage any advisor who's still listening to this rant, um, there is a bit of a vacuum. How can you um, be the professional and provide the good quality content? And whether that yeah. is, you know, with a, a professional year person who's, that's part of their remit. But you've got to go back to your business strategy. How are you getting new clients? Or back to your business strategy, how are you keeping engaged with your existing clients? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I got two questions to wrap up. Go for it. Question number one, what's one interesting hobby that you have? Mm, I'm boring. Gosh, what's a hobby? Spending money on a boat? Oh, yeah, a boat. Dreaming of boating? Yeah, yeah, a boat. I just got the call. My new engine from America has been um, on the boat or plane and it's arriving next week. So, I've got a new Mercruiser 6.2 litre V8 350. (laughs) Which engine is this? Number three or number four? Number two. No, no, it's the first replacement one. Um, Oh, the first replacement. Yeah, I've got a Sea Ray 240 Sun Deck, everyone. And I cooked the engine when- um. Well, I I cooked it once when you were out and we had it fixed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Floating in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I took Phil and uh, James Millard out to see one of the coal ships off the coast of uh, Newcastle, and we broke down in the ocean. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I've got a new I got a new around. engine coming, and it um I've got one less kidney because of that. Yeah, cool. And when do you get a chance to do your emails? Do you do them all throughout the day? Do you kind of segment some time? Yeah. So I've got. Th- three Im- email inboxes that I kind of use for uh, my business. One of them uh, I'll do just twice a day, morning and afternoon. And the personal one, it's just usually throughout the day or whatnot. Yeah, cool. And how do people get in touch with you or how do people kind of report you to ASIC if they're grumpy at your content? Yeah, they can um, shove it where the sun shines, um, <laughs> number one. But number two, like I hang out in the My Risk Advisor Facebook group and on LinkedIn. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, guys. And thanks for everyone for your support uh, with the My Risk Advisor Facebook group and podcast. And I just want to thank Phil for stepping in and hosting this because, you know, as I kind of left the industry or the actual the advice side and giving the advice, I really needed somebody like Phil to be at the coalface and doing this content. And I just want to thank Zurich and OnePath for stepping up and and supporting this and 
it'd, it'd mean a lot to us if you forward this to another advisor who you might think might gain value or your BDM or anyone in this world because we we need it to be commercial and we need I want to keep doing it because I think there's a real need for for good conversations around risk and to I started my risk advisor initially to have a place for those who are wanting to learn more about risk to come and get the experience from more seasoned risk advisors so that was a bit of a rant but thank you to everyone for being a part of what we do here no thank you see you mate bye Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think someone else will get value out of it, I'd love it if you could forward it on to them. And as always, we can continue the conversation in the My Risk Advisor Facebook group. All you need to do, open up Facebook and search My Risk Advisor and I'll see you in there.